0: Welcome to Bits of Gold episode 135. Today's episode is all about how to become a full-time creator. Welcome back to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you are new to Bits of Gold, first off, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Second, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now let's get to it. Are you curious what it takes to become a full-time creator? Or are you simply curious how you can better utilize social media platforms to amplify your brand, message, and professional opportunity? Today, my guest is Jay Klaus. Jay helps creators earn a living. He is the writer of Creator Science and the host of Creative Elements, a narrative interview podcast going behind the scenes of today's top creators. He previously led the community experience team for Pat Flynn and Smart Passive Income, designing their paid membership community and cohort-based course programs. In this episode, we dive into Jay's journey to becoming a full-time creator, how he goes about designing his life with intention, the power of -of word-of-mouth marketing, how to not overcomplicate creating content online, and the importance of running your own race. And now let's welcome Jay to the show. Jay, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on, Dan.
0: Stoked to have you on. Just before we jump in here, can you just share a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? Yeah,
1: I'm a full-time creator, and it's very meta. I'm a creator who teaches creators how to create. I do that by studying a lot of the like really top-level people, and that starts with my podcast, Creative Elements. So on Creative Elements, I go behind the scenes with some of your favorite content creators to explore what's working for them right now as a creator. People like Seth Godin, James Clear, Cody Sanchez, Tori Dunlap. And then in my newsletter every week, which is called Creator Science, I'm basically sharing like how I'm synthesizing that information and understanding it for myself. So the net result is helping more people get into creating. But ultimately, what I really care about is helping people who are creating consistently see the results they want to see. Because there are so many people who put in so much time and aren't being rewarded for that effort to a high enough degree, in my opinion, and I want to help people, you know, make that leap from amateur creator to really professional creator.
0: So much of that just spoke to my heart. Before we dive into that, what is it for you that has attracted you to being a creator? I know from following you on LinkedIn and reading a little bit about your background, it seems like you were like an OG creator before creating was or is what it is today. You were plugged in very hard into the business of creating or creation before creator was a creator.
1: <laughs> well, to be honest, I feel the same way about other people who started like 10 years before I did. I think that there are definitely more originals of the OGs, but um, my background really started in startups and product. I helped co-found a company in 2014, and it was a software company, it was in the ticketing space, and I really enjoyed building products for people. That company had an exit, and then I worked at another startup company, leading product at that company. Again, I really liked building products for people, but the challenge within startups or Software companies is that even if you talk to the customer and you understand exactly what the product should be, you then have to communicate that solution to your engineers, your designers. You have to get buy in (laughs) from executives and things. And the final product that ends up happening and shipping out to customers is never what you envision because of compromises and committees and all these things. That was always really frustrating to me. What I found in 2017 when I started getting out onto my own was that content is a product and I could approach content like a product. I could build digital products and I could do all of these things without needing the permission or opinions of others, I could like really lean into what it meant to be an artist. And that like really, really spoke to me that I could make my own things that help people. I could design my own life, really. And I've just been on this journey for the last almost six years because I want full agency over my time. And this is
0: the best way I've found to have that. Can you share a little bit about what it means to you to design your own life?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to ever have the feeling, I need to do this because this person told me to. (laughs) like... At the end of the day, as long as I'm not doing that, then I've probably created the opportunity for me to design my own life. Now, that being said, like my calendar is essentially my boss, but everything that went on that calendar was something that I chose. I want to spend time on the projects that I want to spend time on. I want to be able to basically turn that on a dime if and when I want to. I want to be able to clear my schedule anytime I want to go fishing with my dad, even if that was short notice. That's what it really means to me is to have full control over what my day looks like. In the near term, that's control to me.
0: I'm just curious for you, like, where does that drive or that desire come from? You obviously started your first business, it got acquired, you worked for a little bit for another company. Was that just through your professional experience? Was there sort of this moment where you said, like, I like that more than the alternative?
1: That's a good question. I think in the first company, I was a co founder with that, but the vision was from somebody else. And so, a lot of times, even on the product that I was building, he was really making a lot of the decisions and I had strong opinions. And it sucked to not be able to win that argument ever. And I've had some bosses for sure where I was like, you are making decisions that I completely disagree with and it doesn't matter. Like, I just hated being in that position. I wanted to build a life where that was never the case
0: makes a lot of sense. Before we jump into a little bit more around being a creator and what that entails, I'm curious just around the agency piece as well. Over the last several years, would you say that you've created some sort of a practice around getting more intentional or becoming more intentional? And if so, I'm curious what that looks like for you. Because often, especially with today's day and age, like you have an abundance of opportunity in front of you, right? Like You could do a million things when you wake up in the morning. A lot of people just go to the default that I'm just going to go today to go do the job that I signed up for and That's it.
1: I don't know. Like, I have at times practiced meditation. I did a 10 day meditation course a couple years ago. I've read The Artist's Way by Julie Cameron, where she talks about the practice of morning pages, so sometimes I'll have morning pages. I would say that I have continuously gotten better at just checking in with myself on a small day-to-day basis, and that practice like, really just looks like any time that I find myself uncomfortable, unhappy, unfulfilled, I recognize that as a problem that I've created that does not need to exist and can be questioned. And I'll do that. And sometimes when I feel like I've had a couple of days of being like really frustrated, I'll open up a document and talk to myself and basically be like, what's going on? What's happening here? What do we feel frustrated about right now? I'll eventually come to a understanding of where that feeling is stemming from and what needs to change. Is it as rigorous or consistent or explainable of a process or practice as it could be? No, but like I have come to the understanding that I am in control of my emotions. I'm in control of my life. Anything that's going on that I don't like, ultimately I have set up the circumstance for that to be true and I'm complicit in it continuing. So if I don't want to feel that way, identify what it is and make a change. Love that.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Before we jump into your business today, I know when you founded Unreal Collective, I'd love if you could talk a little bit about building that and leading that through acquisition.
1: Yeah. So in 2017, I left that startup company that I was a product leader in and the bet was I could make enough money to get by, but I didn't really know what that would look like. And I had a friend of mine who said, you know, if I was you and I had the network that you have, I would facilitate mastermind groups. I didn't know what that word meant. I didn't know what that was. I had him explain it to me. He's like, yeah, mastermind is like a group of people who have a common goal and they meet on some regular frequency and they just try to get like better. I thought, okay, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> so reached out to five people, said, Hey, you're working on interesting projects. I think if you let me work with you over the next 12 weeks, I can help you make meaningful progress. Let's just see if this works. And so I did that. And that went well. So then I had a group of 15 paid spots and then another group of 20 paid spots and a group of 15 paid spots. So for over a course of like three years, I think I ran something like 21 mastermind groups, 110 people total It was kind of like, depending on how familiar you are with the concept of a mastermind or cohort-based course, it was very similar to that before it was really in vogue. Like in 2017, when I was doing this, I had to explain to people how to download Zoom and why Zoom was the best option for us. We were using Slack as our community space. At the time, like these were like pretty new ideas. Now it's just like, yeah, of course. But I did that for a few years. It got me to meet Matt Gartland, who is Pat Flynn's business partner at Smart Passive Income. And they were, in 2020, going to launch an online community for Smart Passive Income SPI. They said, hey, you seem to have like really figured this online community thing out with Unreal. Can you consult and help us set up our community and launch it successfully? So, I came in as a consultant and helped them do that. We had a lot of success at that launch. A lot of people joined, a lot of people loved it. We hired a community manager. Then, at the end of 2020, they said, We would love for you to come in and lead a team because we want to make a couple more hires on this team. So, we'd love for you to come in and lead our community experience team. Can we hire you? And I basically said, No, I have too much stuff going on. I couldn't manage that. And I'm not going to stop building my business. And they said, Well, what if we purchase your community and basically absorb it into SPI Pro, the community that you built with us? And that was interesting to me. So, I joined the team to help lead community. Unreal was acquired, but my content business as a creator continued on the side. And that was how I spent all of last year, 2021.
0: That's awesome. What were some of the biggest things you learned as you were building with the Smart Passive Income Media Group?
1: Well, I learned a lot about like building a team behind a creator. We look at a lot of these big name creators today and we think they're just doing like all the stuff and it's like insane. And we're like, how can I do that as an individual? And we try. SPI had a team of at one point, I think 13 people. So I learned a lot about how they think about roles and divvy that up and where Pat's time is best used and how the team supports that. They also had like this really interesting role that I've never seen in another company called Solutions Manager. And Mindy, the solutions manager, was wildly talented with automations and all things tech stack for the company. She wasn't like an engineer. She wasn't like coding the website or anything, but anything that was basically no code and automated, not only did she set those systems up, but she documented them beautifully. It was amazing the knowledge base that she built to uh, like document. Here's how every part of the business works. That was really eye opening. Also got to see like, how does this company run campaigns for product launches, things like that. I mean, they were using much the same tool set that I had set up for myself, ConvertKit, Circle, things like that. So I got to take a peek at that, how they thought about relationships and affiliate relationships and things like that. It was fun. I learned a lot. And Pat is like genuinely the person that he comes across as on his podcast. He's he's very kind. He's very thoughtful. He's very talented. He's very smart. But um, sometimes you meet people and it's kind of like a don't meet your heroes moment. And Pat's not that. Pat's great.
0: That's amazing. When you first started that business, it sounds like you didn't really have much of a plan in place, right? Like no. you sort of just stumbled into it. What was that like? You know, a lot of people say you can't leave that thing until you have a well-formulated plan and you have traction and you already have product market fit or validation. And you know, with certainty that leaving this thing will, you know, so what was that like?
1: I mean, I think that's the better path, honestly. I think it's better to have a very easy offboard into the new thing as opposed to jumping without a parachute, which I did. It was tough. You know, like the first thing I did, I I remember I quit my job on April 20th, 2017. And because of like timing and what they wanted my role to become, they didn't even ask me to stay for two weeks. They're like, we'll pay you out two weeks. You can leave tomorrow. And even my decision to leave the job happened within a period of like 48 hours because the company was shifting directions. So I went from thinking, I'll probably leave the company in a month or two to, oh, I'm out of the company and I have nothing to do within like a 48 hour period. And I remember one of the first things I did was I made an agreement with myself that I didn't have to generate revenue until July. And again, I left in like the end of April, but I was like, I don't have to generate a dollar of income until July. But if I haven't generated anything by July, I need to like really reassess and see, do I need to get a job? So I thought about the mastermind model. I was starting to pull people in to kind of test that. And I kind of just did math. I was like, okay, here are my expenses. I know what my own monthly burn rate is, how much I'm costing to exist on a per month basis. I think, you know, I could probably get 10 to 15 people to join this thing. How's the math work out if this is a three month period of time? So literally it's just a math problem. I was like, okay, if I get 15 people to pay for this, if 15 people can pay me, I think at the beginning it was $400 for the 12 week program, then I can afford the three months of existing to run the program. And that like, was a flawed assumption. Not only was that like razor thin, no margin, didn't take into <laughs> account taxes, didn't take into account seasonality of that business, didn't take into account the month of marketing these programs. So the first year was really, really tight. And I ran out of cash around October and realized, oh, I can't run another 12-week program through Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. I had a friend of mine basically throw me a lifeline. He was like, hey, you're really good at websites and emails. I have this SaaS company. My website sucks. I'm not converting them with emails. Can I pay you like a monthly stipend to help me with this? And that got me through the winter and I did better math (laughs) and uh, things started to get better.
0: It's funny because some people, you know, they say you need to have a plan and the traction in place. But from personal experience, I've also been in that position. And like, if you're in a good spot, it's hard to build something that's equally in just as a compelling spot. Even if you have some traction, it's like, it's very hard to bridge the gap. At least that's been my experience.
1: Yeah, it is tough. I mean, it's also motivating to have your back against the wall for some people, depending on your personality type. Sometimes it's like debilitating. It was what it was. And I, I went into it with both eyes open. It was really helpful to make that contract with myself to basically say, you don't have to make money until July, because inevitably in May and then again in June, you would spin out and say, what am I doing here? Is this ever going to work? What's going on? It wasn't until probably sometime late last year that I could even visualize like, how is this path going to make enough money for the aspirations I've always had for myself? Like I couldn't see where the money would come from. There's a saying like your headlights only go so far in front of your car, but you can make the whole trip that way. And I think about that a lot because if if you're directionally correct, you can see right in front of you and you know where you're trying to get to. You'll feel your way through the dark and eventually find your way to, to that destination.
0: At what point would you say in your journey thus far, were you like, oh, I'm I'm onto something here?
1: I honestly feel like that's mostly happened this year. I started writing in 2017. It wasn't until like this year that I was getting consistent signals of this is working. Like it was a lot of brute force and a lot of faith. Like I think people are paying attention to this. I think people like it. And you would get emails from time to time, you know, people saying like, yeah, I really like this one. But now I get people that find my YouTube channel, my podcast, my articles, and they're like, wow, I can't believe I didn't find this sooner. I've been reading everything today. I've been watching all of your videos today. That's the Signal Because I really do believe that you need to be, at least for a season of somebody's life, like their favorite thing for it to work. Because if you're not their favorite thing, if you're not somebody's favorite or some number of people's favorite thing, word of mouth is not going to happen. And word of mouth is like how things grow. Yes, of course, like things spike and and sometimes you get like luck with the algorithms or whatever but what you really need is something that is good enough that every day there are people who like it enough they're out there being an advocate for you and that number gets a little bit bigger all the time because say 1% of your fans are huge advocates of you that doesn't mean a lot when you have a full audience of 100 people you know that's one person out there <laughs> advocating but when you have 1000 people now you got 10 people and if you have 10000 people now you got 100 people these numbers add up pretty quickly as this grows and if those advocates have leveraged themselves that can be pretty powerful too so It's really a numbers game and you have to play long term and believe that this will work out and believe that you're getting better or that you can get better because eventually you start getting these signals coming in like, hey, man, I love your work or I love your stuff or I love your podcast or I love your newsletter. And that's that's the juice. That's what keeps you going.
0: Yeah, that's the currency, right? Until you can get the currency.
1: (laughs) Right. Attention is the currency.
0: You're making content since 2017. What would you say was the thing that pushed it over the edge where you started to feel things starting to click? Was there one single thing or was it all the things that you were doing consistently?
1: It's kind of been all the things, to be honest, because I took I took the wrong approach. I took like try to be everywhere, do everything all at once approach, which made everything slow. And then when it finally started to click, like all the things started to click at once. What I should have done is really focus in on like one platform, get really good at Twitter, get really good at LinkedIn, something where there's discovery built in, and then build up an audience there and move things over. I try to do like everything at once. So everything's kind of clicking at the same time. I will say I got lucky in 2017. I was doing the mastermind stuff. LinkedIn reached out to me because they wanted to bring me in as a, an instructor on LinkedIn learning to like teach a class. And that's like a publishing deal. They give you an advance. They pay you royalties based on how the course performs. And that introduced me to the world of online courses. Like I had taken courses, but I hadn't really thought seriously about developing my own. And then I went through the full process with them a couple of times. And I was like, this is good. Like I could take this material and build on it and make my own courses. And I can see how, you know, at the time, like I would have an in-person meeting here locally with somebody to convince them to give me $400 to spend 12 weeks with me in this course. And I was like, man, if I sell a course and they're each priced at $200 and I sell two of those a month without a lot of work, like that's incredible. That's like life-changing to me at this stage. And so that started to like really open my mind. My eyes and and show me like okay. I can see how this starts to scale and get better and get easier.
0: That makes a lot of sense. In terms of what you're up to now, your podcast, YouTube course, it's more a community as opposed to like cohort.
1: Yeah, it's, it's basically a, a membership community. And we will do like month long, uh, I call them sprints, which kind of resembles like a lightweight cohort based course where I'm kind of leading with curriculum and giving, you know, action items and asking people to take the next steps with me. It's more of a membership community than a intense course.
0: Do you feel like at this point there's some recipe or some step-by-step process that people can do to effectively become some form of a creator? Yes, for sure. Uh, I think people overcomplicate
1: it. I can explain it in two ways. One of them is like really, really short, and then the other one's a little bit more of a a framework. Okay, framework one, the simplest business model for a creator. You need to have some platform that consistently brings attention to you. Then you need to have one product, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's all you need. You need to have some platform where you're consistently getting attention on your work. And you're helping people achieve something and say, by the way, over here, I have this one product that helps this type of person achieve this type of outcome. And that's all you need. That's all you need. You could do that for three years. You can get really good at Twitter talking about how to do X and then build a course that shows them step-by-step how to do X and say, by the way, if you enjoyed this thread I had over here, purchase this course or sign up for my email list, which puts you in a sequence to introduce you to this course. It can really be that simple. It really, really can. A lot of people like really complicate stuff, but it's like, if you can consistently put out content, that gets seen and then have one signature product, you can build a huge business on that. Dickie Bush and Ship 30 for 30 is a perfect example of this. Like you had a megaphone, which is Twitter. You had one product, build a multi-million dollar business on that. That's all you need. Long-term, the deeper framework that I just put together and haven't really talked about yet, I call it the five parts of a creator business. And parts is actually an acronym. So P is purpose, Why does your work need to exist? Who are you helping and what are you helping them to do? A is attention. How do people find your work? How do you actually capture attention? R is revenue model. How do you, you know, actually make money from this thing? Could be product-based revenue, could be non-product-based revenue. T is trust. How do you actually transmit or uh, transform attention into trust in your audience? And then S is systems. How do you systematize everything in your business that your time as a creator is put into creating and also building relationships? To me, that's like, that's the full roadmap. And you can get better and better on each one of these things, but that's really the five parts that you need.
0: Do you think as it relates to, like in this day and age, do you think everyone should be some form of an active creator or not necessarily? No. I mean,
1: listen, like creators are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are a small number of people. If you don't see yourself as an entrepreneur, you can't really see yourself as a creator. Because you can't be like, well, I want to be a creator, but I don't want to be an entrepreneur. You're signing up to spend a lot of time on something that's not making you money. Is that what you want? (laughs) Like, is that what you want? A creator is an entrepreneur. And yeah, I think it's an amazing lifestyle to be an entrepreneur. And anyone who's drawn to it should do it. But it's definitely not something for everybody.
0: It's interesting because you know you see, you see a lot of people, I think especially over the last 12 months, like LinkedIn has become such a power tool for a lot of people. I've seen so many threads this last year, like LinkedIn, it should be only for business, nothing for personal. I even have some buddies texting me here and there. You post too much about your personal life. This should all be about business. It is interesting because I've had some creators on here that are specifically focused on like the job market. Some of their take has been on LinkedIn, whether you're building your own business or you're just looking to go like the more traditional career path. If you're creating on there, you're going to have more attention, more eyeballs, and getting a job or getting the job you want is going to be easier as a result. For
1: sure. I mean, I don't think that job security is a thing the way that most people think it was. Maybe it was at one time, but like job security in the way that we've always thought about it is like such a myth. To me, job security is the idea that I feel confident I could go get a job tomorrow if I wanted to. And I feel that way because as a creator, I've built such an incredible skill set. Like any one of the skills that I've had to employ to be a creator, I could get hired for. Not to mention putting them all together in the context of people mashing them together. It's huge. It's like wildly hireable. So yeah, to me, the the job security is that I could go get a job tomorrow if I needed to. And the skills you gain by trying to be a creator or successfully being a creator make you very, very employable.
0: That makes a lot of sense. That's certainly an interesting perspective on job security in the sense of it being just your own ability to go and get a job. I haven't heard it framed in that way, but that's, that's an interesting perspective.
1: We're seeing a ridiculous number of layoffs over the last year, really over the last like quarter. It's macroeconomic stuff. I get that. And it, it's preceded by high valuations and raising a lot of money and hiring a bunch of people like how do you feel that like your employment contract can be terminated really easily by the company it can also be kind of terminated by you pretty easily like it's not really that strong of a agreement you know it's like for as long as you are employed we'll pay you this but it's not really protecting your employment like you could lose employment very very quickly and have sometimes very little severance and that's tough because if that happens in mass to a bunch of people and you know you were trained to do this role within this company that was found to be redundant or not unnecessary you're not competing with a bunch of people who had that same role for fewer of those roles it's tough the most hire- hireable people employable people are those that have a unique set of skills that you know really stand out in the hiring process and you get unique skills by doing unique exceptional things that you weren't trained by by another company you know that you taught yourself that it was harder to acquire them than most people have that's what makes you like really really hireable
0: yeah absolutely i would tend to agree i think a lot of the general thinking of getting a job is the safest route or that's the best route the smartest route i think that that generally speaking broadly speaking is starting to evolve. But it's definitely interesting to see how all of that will play out over the next several years. And I think that's why some people are tuning into a lot of this content around how to become a a creator, how to make money as a creator, how to start a side hustle.
1: Like I said, most people shouldn't be entrepreneurs or won't be. I shouldn't say shouldn't be. Anyone could be. I won't say should or shouldn't, but won't be because it's a hard thing to do. I'm not anti-employment at all. Like I think that we have a really antiquated view of employment. We tend to think culturally that it's this binary, I am employed or I am not employed, but really everyone sells a certain amount of their time for money. Starts there. How much of your time are you willing to sell and what are you being compensated for that for? being full-time employed is not any different than being a consultant and having one client be a hundred percent of your revenue. But like in one situation you are self-employed, it's the same thing. So, you know, if you, if you want to build a life where you have full control over your time and you're not selling any of your time to any individual, there's going to be a period of time where you have to build that reality for yourself and building that reality takes time in and of itself. So I find that probably the best way to build time for your future scenario is by being employed in a traditional nine to five because it's a little less secure to have one client that's paying all of your bills than to have like an employment contract. Same thing. But the employment contract, you're probably going to be able to get by on like less effort, probably going to be paid pretty well. You have benefits. You can basically turn off after the hours that are not business hours and then use that towards your future business. Sometimes your job is so easy that like you can low key work on your future thing while you're supposed to be on the clock. So I'm not anti-employment at all. But I think we have an antiquated view on what employment is and what self-employment is.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point there. If someone's listening to this and they're starting from scratch and they aspire to become a creator, a paid creator that's doing this professionally or as a side hustle, what would be your recommendation on the best place to start? You got to start with
1: that first part of the parts framework, the P, the purpose. What is the purpose for your content? What is the purpose for your business as a creator? Who are you helping achieve what? Because if you don't have that, like nothing else really works. Maybe you get some attention, but if it's not targeted and it gets targeted by your purpose, if it's not targeted, how do you win with those people? What do you create for them next? If it's like this varied group of who knows? So you got to start with your purpose because I see a lot of people who have what I would call directionless ambition. Like they know they can accomplish things. They want to accomplish things. They don't know what yet. And so they get funneled towards like productivity advice because they just want to do something. They want to feel like they're doing all the things. But like productivity is a means to an end. What is the end? What is the thing you're trying to achieve? You need to know what that is. And the best place to start is where you have unique earned insight. What have you done where you have a unique amount of knowledge or skill or experience that gives you something, again, unique to talk about towards that purpose. Why should we learn from you? Well, hopefully because you have some earned insight that other people do not.
0: If you've defined that purpose, how important would it be to go in with a plan of monetization early on?
1: One signature product, all you need, one product. One thing that you know will help people. Do you need to have it early on? No. A lot of people will say like, wait as long as possible before monetizing. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like you can have a revenue model that works when you have a small audience and not be super pushy about it and start generating revenue and that's Or if you have a purpose and you want to help people, you can start helping people even if you don't have a way to monetize yet because in so doing, you will learn even more about them and probably develop a better, more needed product because of it.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I feel like we covered a lot of bits of gold around both your journey as well as being purposeful and living purposefully as a aspiring creator or someone who's already creating. Are there any other bits of gold on living purposefully that we haven't covered that you would want to share?
1: I would say I see a lot of people who get stressed out and upset and sad because they are comparing themselves to people with a lot more success than they see themselves having right now. And I want to warn you that You'll always move the goalposts if you aren't really honest with yourself about what you want and have a practice of reflection to say, did I achieve this? You don't want to keep moving the goalposts because you'll never be happy. You don't want to compare yourself to others because they have a unique set of circumstances that are not your own, so it's not fair to yourself to compare yourself to them. A lot of people that you really look up to, they have made decisions, compromises, trade-offs that you might not be willing to make. They might have also started the game with a different set of Rules or advantages, so it's not really fair to yourself to compare yourself to others. Easier said than done, but as long as you recognize that and accept that, you will get better of snapping out of those those comparison traps. Absolutely,
0: love that. Where can people connect with you, get a hold of you, follow you?
1: Well, if you like listening to me, you can check out the podcast Creative Elements here in the same podcast player. I think you'll like it. I interview pretty uh, big name creators about their creative businesses. Otherwise, just search my name, Jay Klaus, on pretty much any platform, and you'll find me wherever you like to spend your time.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan.
0: All the links for this episode can be found in the show notes. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you can please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts, it would really mean the world as it truly helps with growing the show. That's all for today. Thanks for living with purpose today and every day, and I'll see you next time. I love your podcast, this is gold, this is where it's at.